me an S. S. Give me a U. U. Give me an E. E. What's that spell? So, 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 so. We love you, Mom? Sue. <laughs> Dad, I really appreciate your support, but can you stop now? You're embarrassing me. <laughs> Well, as a parent, it's only natural that you want your kids to succeed. You want to be a cheerleader for them, but is their success a reflection on you? That's the topic we're going to explore on today's Focus on the Family with Focus President and author Jim Daly. And I'm John Fuller. John, you know, this desire to raise good, healthy, emotionally connected kids, it's a great desire we have as parents. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, can we overdo it? Um, do we make kind of trophies out of our kids and their behavior? And that's what we want to talk about today. In fact, I'm guilty of this too. At times you brag about your son's height and, you know, are they on the honor roll at school? And you may slip oh, a the bit. the bumper sticker yeah. that says, my child is an honor roll student. Yeah. yeah. So it's, there's something in us as parents that we're so proud and rightfully so of our kids when they do well. But uh, we need to talk about, as a Christian, uh, how do we train them and raise them in such a way to honor the Lord, to be healthy, and to know what's expected of them in this life. And we're going to talk with one of my favorite guests, Ted Cunningham. Uh, Ted is a wonderful pastor, and he's written several different books. But today we want to talk about Trophy Child, Saving Parents from Performance, Preparing Children, for something greater than themselves. I love that title, Ted, and welcome to Focus. Hey, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me, guys. So, uh, you, you know, the obvious question is what in the world motivated you? Are you guilty of this, like John and I were just talking about? I am a vanity parent 100%. <laughs> vanity parent. I, I, uh, I use my children's accomplishments and attributes to try to impress others all the time. Now, how, first of all, how do you become aware of that? I mean, I think you parent, you know, you're just moving along and you're proud of your kids when they're doing the right things. And uh, how do you step over that line? Yeah, I became aware of it on Facebook. <laughs> how'd that happen? <laughs> the revealer I, of all things. Well, I started blocking, yeah, I started blocking certain people that, I mean, daily and multiple times a day, putting these posts about all of the great attributes and all of the accomplishments and everything their kids have been doing. And then then I, I started looking back over my history, <laughs> and, and I did the same thing. And you don't get negative or where my kid's struggling on Facebook. You only get the positive, the good, best foot forward, which is what all social media is. I get that. But uh, I started to realize I do that at the grocery store, at Target, at Walmart, at church. I, I see my kids as a reflection of me. So when they're behaving well, it makes me look good. When they're behaving poorly, I am not that great of a parent, so I have to come across as a great parent all the time. Now, that pressure, is it coming both inside of the parent, obviously, this is kind of an obvious point, you have that pressure internally that you want your kids to do the best because it makes you feel good, like you're doing your best, but there's also external pressure that, uh, particularly in the Christian culture. Absolutely. Uh, when kids are out of control at church or something like that, you can see parents cringe, but, you know, they're kids. Yeah, and train up a child in the way he shall go, and we, we've taken that verse to an extreme, to almost make it a guarantee. And I was always taught with Proverbs, you read them as tendencies at Dallas Seminary. We were, mm -hmm. this was drilled into us. You take those as tendencies. And we've taken that verse uh, along with a lot of the social pressures, and we've fallen for this faulty input-output theory of parenting that says, whatever I put into my kid is what I'm going to get out of my kid. 
And that is just not true. We're not the only inputs into our children. There's culture, there's teachers, there's there's coaches, there's church, Sunday school teachers. I mean, there's all sorts of inputs that go into our kids. And for me, I have to realize they're not just a reflection of me. Well, now you're touching on something that, that goes right to the core, and that is when you do all the right things, you got your recipe mm-hmm. as a parent and you're doing it, and pretty soon your eight, nine, 10-year-old uh, is not behaving the way that he or she should be, and now you're starting to say, I'm a failure. Yeah. Where have I gone wrong? What have I done wrong? Um, what happens in that moment in your parenting? And as a pastor, I'm constantly trying to challenge our parents with the verse, his mercies are new every day. So we, we have to let ourselves go a little bit because here's what I found with Christian parents especially. We take way too much credit and way too much blame hmm. for the way our children turn out. And in that context, though, uh, when you have that child that is embarrassing you, I- I'll give you one, and I've shared it before on air. I was out of town. <laughs> we'll start there. Okay. I was out of so town. It's not your problem number and one. Yeah. Jean was at the grocery store, a well-known chain, and uh, she was checking out. And Trent, this is probably three, four years ago, so Trent was probably seven, and he wanted something, and Jean was firm and hard on it. No, you're not going to get that. And he started throwing a tantrum in line. And it was a soldier in military, you know, uniform came over and said, son, mm. you need to wise up and you need to listen to your mother. <laughs> now, I, when I first heard that, I was pretty embarrassed as a dad. I, a, I wasn't there. I was out of town. And B, Jean was, you know, she was actually thankful that he came over to say something, but also felt like, wow, if somebody knew who I was, <laughs> this yeah. may be detrimental. But that's typical, isn't it? Yeah, and do you remember a couple of years ago at family camp where uh, the Cunningham sat down with the dailies for dinner? And I, I mean, I was as nervous as can be. I wanted to explain <laughs> to my kids, this is the president of Focus on the Family, so you have to be on your best. Oh. Be- right, but isn't that how we get it? When we get around grandma, grandpa, certain friends, certain people at church, we're, we're like, don't act like you act at home, okay? Yeah. And act what does that say to the different. child when it, you say that? It, be it's fake, the same, be false? Yeah, it's the same problem we have is we fight and argue on the way to church and get to church and look at our kids and go, hey, knock it off. We're at church. Now you need to act like Christians. <laughs> we're teaching our kids there's a way you act here and there's a way you act here. And it's confusing to them because all of it's built around the parent and not the child. Well, how does a parent that wants the right outcomes, you want your child when he or she turns 18, 19, whenever that moment comes and they're walking out the door, that they're ready for this world. How do you do that uh, with the eight, nine, 10 year old? What should you be doing to help them not act the part, but actually be the part? Yeah, you have to parent with the end in mind. And so you have to make the decision what's important. And today's parent myself included, we obsess over achievement and opportunity. The reason we're driving so fast as a family and we are driving our kids crazy because we put them in every activity, every sport, every time the school comes up with something, we're in. Every time the church comes up with something, we're in because we feel that somehow we're damaging them if we say no to an opportunity. When really no is the word for the day for parents. They need to begin, I need to begin to say no more, to begin to prioritize our home to really slow down the pace of our home, to build margin into our home. Because parenting with the end in mind says, I want my kids, this is my desire as a parent, when they leave home to be responsible adults, able to earn a living, good husband, good wife, loving Jesus, serving. When I think a lot of parents, the end in mind is college. 
I, I, I've got get to make it college. 18 and then get them to college. We've got to get them in the right college. So testing and academics and becomes the priority in sports and academics. I mean, we make those the priorities, and that's our end in mind. So we parent with that end in mind when the desire behind Trophy Child was to get the parent, getting Ted and Amy Cunningham to start thinking through age 25 and 30. Mm-hmm. And it's what we're doing now at age 7 and 9. And it's not just all about the sports, the activities, the testing, and college. There I said it. It's not all about college. Now, some jaws have dropped, and it, certainly that's important. You don't want to underemphasize right. academic achievement and all those things. But let's talk about what it sounds like you're saying, Ted, is that we uh, turn our children into idols. Yeah. It, well, what does that mean? I mean, a lot of Christians won't even understand what that necessarily means. What does it mean to turn your children into idols? Well, it, you place them as the priority relationship above everything, the relationship with the Lord, the relationship with your spouse, relationship with other family and friends. It's like everything in our home right now is about making these children successful. And so we're going to say yes to every activity. We're going to say yes to every sport. We're going to prioritize academics. And again, I'm for sports. I'm for activities. I'm for academics. But we're losing, subtly, we're losing serving, generosity, giving, a work ethic, all of that's kind of getting lost. And when I start challenging people who are obsessing, and I think the word, the key word here is obsession. When we obsess over sports, when we obsess over activities, what happens is our kids think, okay, I've got to succeed well at this. And we actually begin to teach our kids that, hey, sports is all about character development. That's where you're going to learn character. That's where you're going to learn you know, how to work as a team. But there are so many other areas as a parent that we need to be thinking through in providing our children opportunities. And it's not just on the the athletic field or in the classroom. Well, you're listening to the wisdom of Pastor Ted Cunningham. He is the founder and senior pastor of Woodland Hills Family Church in Branson, Missouri. I'm John Fuller. This is Focus on the Family, hosted by Jim Daly. And Jim, there's some balance here. I mean, you've expressed that, Ted. And and I'd like to ask you, Jim, because you sports were a big part of your growing up, but it wasn't because your mom was leading vicariously through your accomplishments oh, not at on all, the field. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, you can learn a lot through athletic endeavors, for instance. Oh, you can. You, you learn team play. You learn a lot of good things. I was self-motivated in that way. I loved recess. You know, I picked the teams. I was just into it. And, uh, and for that reason, I think it, it's where I also found my confidence. But as a parent, what's interesting for me is with Trent particularly, because Trent's a big kid. He's very high on the growth chart. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can. <laughs> but you know what he likes? Chess. Chess. And he's a member chess. of the chess club at school. Yeah. And that's not, good that's not football, though. It's not football. So, so and it's been it hard for me to mm. dial that mm. down. And he's only 12. You know, there's years ahead of him. Of course, mom's plowing ahead saying, concussions, I don't want him playing football, which is all good and true. But, you know, there's a certain part of me I've really got to dial it down mm. and be excited about him bringing home his gold medal. <laughs> <laughs> for his chess tournament. Mm. And and it is good. It's just not my expectation. But, Ted, that does lead us to the point where, as parents, what's really going on in our heart that's creating this chaos? And what are we expecting out of our kids that may be so far beyond what the Lord wants for us? Mm. that And we don't recognize it. Yeah, and we treat our kids like idols, but we also treat them like investments. And in the book, Mm. I talk about that ROI parent, which is what you just described, (laughs) that return on investment parent who has invested into something. For example, my son's taekwondo, my daughter's dance. So she came one day to watch my son in his taekwondo class, and we're sitting there on the bench right outside, and they're going through their patterns. And Corinne looks at me, and she says, Dad, 
I think I want to do Taekwondo. I looked right at her and said, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> and she's like, well, why not? I go, you're a dancer. <laughs> And we put you in dance, true, age of three, because she oh wanted to. Yeah, I know, I know. That's, see, that's why I wrote this book. Uh, <laughs> in three, so she's been in it for five years, and I begin to think through all of the recitals, all of the money spent, all of the training, and deep down I'm thinking we're going to get her in a show on stage in Branson somewhere and earn back <laughs> a little bit of this money. And I have to, had to remind myself with element, I don't even have, my kids aren't even 10 yet, and I'm thinking this is a good opportunity for Corinne to discover so she's in Taekwondo now and is not in dance. And mm. I had I, the gut in me was like, what? We have paid so much money. You were invested in. And while I was writing the book, I thought about my parents. And I called them and said, you know, something I never thanked you for, that this is very important. It just hit me. You never locked me into anything. Mm. Now, as a parent, you have to decide what commitment means. Is it season to season? Is it year to year? But I think about the parent that locks their child into a sport for I don't know, 10, 12 years, and the child decides, I'd like to try something else. You can't! Because the identity of that child in the sport rests on the parents. Yeah. It's a huge hit on them. And they're like, no, you're going to stay in this sport. But I think I'd like to try this. We have to remember, children truly are mm. in that discovery phase, and we need to allow that. Well, let me ask you that question, because again, if you have kids, younger children, uh, you, you, what I hear you saying is you need to have an open mind. Let them try a few different things. Don't get them locked in too early. Absolutely. And even as teenagers, if their desire changes, uh, let them make those decisions. And in fact, the consequences that come from that, the fact that they will also lose some esteem at school and other things, let them own that and let them go through that. That's probably a good lesson in life for them at that age, isn't it? Absolutely. We don't want our sports to be our identity. We don't want our activities to be our identity, whatever they are. We we want Christ to be our identity. And so that's that's what we're driving towards in the home mm. with reminding our children, hey, whatever activity or sport you're Because for Corinne at nine to give up dance, it was big for her because of the friendship she had made and because of people, you know, commenting on how cute you looked at that. But she had to realize, hey, I can't do everything. That's like a rule in our home. We are not going to do everything. So we have to pick. And again, those are great choices that we allow kids to make as well. And it also fits with this idea of allowing your kids to fail. It's so hard for us to let our kids fail at something. In fact, that comes out in schoolwork. Jean and I consciously had to sit down one night after she spent significant time working on a science project. And I said, you know what? I think what the daily motto should be is you do your own work. So if he's going to build a a chicken wire dinosaur and cover it in duct tape, we can help to an extent, but minimize it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, let him do it, even if it turns out looking like, you know, a blob. (laughs) Let him carry it to school and don't be the perfect science project parent. And that's tough because, you know what, our kids don't win the science programs that often. Uh, and a lot of the ones that are winning, I mean, this is pretty obvious. the children of professors at the Air Force Academy. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, rocket ships actually do fly from these kids. And they, they may be doing it. I don't, I don't want to diminish their good effort. But the point of that is a parent that overindulges and takes on the ownership of creating and doing the work for the child is actually doing that child a great disservice. It's one of my favorite Kevin Lehman lines when he says, shh, will you kids pipe down in there? I'm trying to do your homework. <laughs> Isn't that a great line? How many of us are guilty? <laughs> guilty okay, so, but the parent that's trapped in that right now. Yeah. They're a rescue do, parent. Okay, but how do they recognize it? How do they get out of it? Mm-hmm. And what do they do? We know that we've learned the greatest life lessons through pain, through struggle, through loss. So it's not just about creating the winning kid. 
and the most successful and the blue ribbon at everything, the gold medal at everything, we want our children to begin to learn what it means to fail. And so part of our motive as vanity parents is to create environments for our children to succeed rather than teaching them how to succeed in environments they can't control. And that's the problem with the kid-centered model in the home and everything. We're sending them out into the workplace. We're sending them out into marriage. We're sending them out of the home. They're not prepared. How do I handle a bad boss? How do I handle a mean teacher? They're out there. Ted, I got to tell you, I mean, people, parents hearing that, moms hearing that right now, are cringing, yeah, and they're maybe even disagreeing with you. Sure. you know, how could you take your child and put your child in a, a dangerous situation where? But see, that's the difference. I'm not saying dangerous. I'm saying two kids got but into. But they're going to define playground. danger very yeah. differently. <laughs> I mean, but that's the point. But but I hear what you're saying, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. You know, growing up in Los Angeles, you know, that was part of right. the neighborhood creed. I went mm-hmm. all day on Saturday. My mom didn't see me till late. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I can relate to that, but I, and I do think we jump in too quickly to save our kids, but there is that, um, reality that we live in a world that seems more evil today. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want our kids going to the park by themselves. We got all these codes for them, you know, yell stranger. If somebody comes to talk to you, these yeah. are all good things sure. to keep them from harm. But in the kids, it must be creating an awful lot of anxiety as well. Yeah, and I think about this, you know, my daughter came home last year and there was a substitute teacher and she was going to have her for the whole week and said, Dad, I don't think she likes me. Well, a vanity parent and a rescue parent Mm. immediately goes into, well, sure she does. Who wouldn't like you? Yeah, who wouldn't like you? But I'm not preparing my daughter right there at that moment. Okay, what should that parent do? I explained to Corinne. I said, Corinne, here's the reality. She may not like you. But as a parent, there are people cringing right now going, I can't believe it. We want our kids. Do we really want to send our kids out of the world living their lives trying to get everyone to like them? Hmm. That's exhausting. And so here's what I did. I pulled out a jug that I got. It's a clear jug that I keep under the sink at our house. And I pulled it out. And it's called the love jug in our home. It represents our heart. Above all else, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. And I put out all these glasses. And I said, Corinne, there's only one source of life. Okay, Jesus is God's love language. We fill ourselves with his words, with who he is. We are receiving from him and we're giving out to others. You are pouring into this one person way too much. You're Mm -hmm. spending way too much time and energy worried about trying to get her to like you. And Corinne, I don't put that pressure on you. I went to a a parent-teacher conference. This was fun because they have new metrics that are out. And, you know, we're, we're kind of moving away from the A, B, C, D, F, model because we don't want, again, we don't want kids to feel like failures. You remember the day when Mm -hmm. we used to stand in the batter's box, three strikes, you were out. Well, now it's, you stand in there until you get Get a hit hit so you can feel like a winner. And I told my kids when we came out of the school, I said, I just want you to hear this from your dad. You do not have the pressure from me to be excellent at everything. Like, oh, you don't. Mm -hmm. Ted, there's a balance here that, that I'd like you to explain a little bit because that rescue parent wants to step in and let's say my child comes to me and and says i just don't feel like i'm doing well at math and so i don't want to do the math club anymore where's the line for the parent to say no it's okay you don't like this but if if i were to rescue you i'd say all right you don't have to do that anymore so how does a parent find the the balance there in letting the child live with some uncomfortableness live with some failure and not say, okay, well, we'll move on to something else then. I have asked seasoned parents this very question because I don't know how to define commitment anymore in today's culture when it comes to activities, sports, academics. I really don't because some parents, 
they get their kids in pads at age five or six, and you're locked in through your senior year of high school. I mean, once we start, this is it. This is the sport. Everything in the family is driving towards this. And I've had some wise parents share with me, Ted, you just have to sit down. We, I've just discovered season to season is best. So a month in or a week into you know, two-a-days, and the kid's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Well, we committed to this season. Right. So it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. But you made the commitment. Now, next year is a new year. Okay, next year we can redefine this. Any sport or activity, you have to define commitment. So we want our kids to feel that pain. We don't want to rescue them. We want our kids to wrestle with that, but we have to define commitment. We can't just mm-hmm. constantly be bailing our kids out. What happens if they don't have a teacher that you like, you know, their seventh grade year? Do you pull them out of that class? Or, and I'm not talking about a mean, abusive, I'm talking about just a teacher who's strict. And so I just love today how parents, it's immediately the teacher, mm-hmm. not the student. Is it okay? I just, I almost see it as a joy when I come home and there's conflict, maybe at school. It gives us something to work through as a family and to help our children make decisions. Again, I want to teach you how to succeed in environments that I can't control and that you can't control. Well, and, and I think, Ted, the key thing is how do we uh, create in our family a code of, of reinforcement that's, that's rooted in reality? Yeah, uh, It's not overly praising your child when he or she doesn't deserve it. Because you know what? Even at a young age, they're smart enough to figure that out, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had that example with my kids. Uh, you know, where I've overly praised them for something. Dad, I just did this. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and they're actually correcting me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also leads to a cultural problem, and that's narcissism. And, you yeah. know, we often, and I don't mean to... Uh, you know, hurt the feelings of an only child. But often you find these attributes with only children with so much of the parental attention on them, they begin to think that the whole universe revolves around them. We've kind of taken that to a new level in our culture today where you may have two, three, four children. Each of them feel like that only child. You know, the whole universe revolves around me. How do we as parents... Uh, break down mm-hmm. the creation of a little narcissist. Yeah. How do we intentionally, because really that's going to be their Achilles heels as adults. It's going to be actually working against their spiritual development because mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. is the farthest thing from a narcissist. Yeah, and that's part of Andy parenting. I call it companion parenting, where either the mom and dad go down to the level of a child, so they become like the sibling in an only child situation, or in a single parent home, they elevate the child to the role of spouse And in either case, unhealthy for the parent, unhealthy for the child. And it's what we tell our kids all the time, Genesis 2.24, you know, you will not be with mom and dad forever, so plan accordingly. So, (laughs) you know, you're, you're not meant to be here forever. So, again, we have a job to do. And best friend is not at the top of that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm called to be your parent. And, you know, in our home, I, I've shared it on the broadcast before, is a princess and the queen. I'm married to the queen, Amy Cunningham. Corinne, you're my princess, which means you will never be my queen. Okay, so I know I, I enjoy spending time with you, and I, I hate the thought of your wedding one day. I mean, it's just like all the all the dads out there. But to allow the child to be the child and the parent be the parent. I have a friend in Tulsa, a pastor. He regularly says, and it's so simple, but he, he's constantly challenging his congregation, be the parent. Hmm. Be the parent. Not the friend. Not the friend. You're going to have to make hard calls. You're going to have to step back and allow them to make some hard calls and decisions. And it's going to be painful at times. But that's another Kevin Lehman quote, parenting ain't for wimps. (laughs) It ain't for wimps. And if you do the parenting well now, 
you can have that friendship when they're 20, 25, Absolutely. 30. That's, That's where what the friendship really develops. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Ted, uh, we really, we've got much more to cover. Can you stick with us? Come back next time and let's pick up. Let's pick up the, the guilt of parents. Uh, my mom was a single parent mm-hmm. mom. And even as a five, six-year-old, I learned how to work that to my advantage. Let's talk about how parents are playing into the guilt of not being there. Can Wouldn't you do that? To. Let's love do it. To. Thank you. Well, and I know that there are a lot of moms and dads listening uh, right now, Ted, uh, resonating with what you've shared, and I'm really glad that you've helped us uh, kind of think through that end goal. What are we aiming for as parents? That's a pretty critical thing to think about and to come up with an answer for. Our broadcast today was provided by Focus on the Family, and on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for listening in. I'm John Fuller. Ted Cunningham gave some valuable advice today when he said, we are called to be the parent and not to be our child's friend. But I do love what John said about parenting well in the early years so that you can be your child's friend when they're grown. I really want to encourage you to get a copy of Ted's wonderful book, Trophy Child, Saving Parents from Performance, Preparing Children for Something Greater Than Themselves. If you feel as though you've fallen into the trap of trying to make your child a success, you need to get a copy of Trophy Child. And you can do that by calling us on 031-716-3300 or by visiting our website at safamily.co.za. And as I close, I want to invite you to give the gift of family as we head towards the Christmas season. What does your financial gift to focus on the family do? Well, it helps rescue and strengthen hurting marriages. It empowers parents to raise godly children. It promotes character and the value of family to the youth. And it introduces people to the good news message of Jesus Christ. You can make your donation online at safamily.co.za. You can also send us your contribution via EFT. All the details are on our website. And let me say thanks in advance for your support. I'm looking forward to hearing more of Ted Cunningham's teaching on tomorrow's program, and I hope you'll tune in for that. I'm Graham Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa. Thanks for joining us today. Please tune in again next time, and we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.